1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton
2: It's because he's patiently waiting He's patiently waiting for people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and turn to Him for forgiveness and salvation He's waiting for more people to repent He's waiting for more people to be saved here on the earth And listen, if you're sitting here today, you've never trusted Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is waiting.
1: Some people look at the world and wonder why Jesus just doesn't come back now. They can get overwhelmed with what the world looks like, and they think that Jesus needs to come back now. The reason He doesn't is because God is patient so that more people can know the gospel and be saved. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be sharing about God's heart for everyone to be saved. He is withholding coming back because he wants more people to know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 10 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Because for some reason, we want to know what God hasn't revealed to us. We're so curious and fascinated by what God hasn't revealed, or what God has sealed, and what God has kept from us. Now, I think personally, I think it's just part of the sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. Remember, God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees. You're all free to eat of everything here, except for this one tree. I want you stay away from this one tree. And what do they do? That's the one tree they went to, right? And here it is. God has sealed this up. He says, I don't want you to write that down. I don't want you to reveal that. And there's so many people that that's the one thing they want to know. They want to know what God hasn't revealed. When God has revealed. So much to us. And people are are so uh, focused on trying to know what he hasn't revealed instead of what he has revealed to us. Listen, there are things that God chooses not to reveal to us. There are things that God chooses not to reveal to us in his word. There are some things that he has just sealed up that he doesn't want us to know for some reason or that we don't need to know for some reason. There are things that God doesn't answer for us. There are things that God just doesn't tell us why or how or what. He just doesn't give us that information. But there are lots and lots and lots of things that God has revealed to us in His Word. That He has made plain to us for us to know. And we should focus our attention on the things that He has revealed. And getting those things right and not on the things he has not revealed to us, and trying to figure those things out. Turn with me back to Deuteronomy 29. There's a verse that I want you to see in your own Bible, and I think it's a helpful verse. And I remember being a new Christian, and I was in a home group, and I don't remember what we were talking about, or the questions that I had, or Um, But I remember our home group leader sharing this verse and I'd never heard it before, I'd never read it before and I remember thinking this guy was like a Jedi, like a Yoda, man, that he knew this stuff. So I hope it is helpful to you. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong to us. And to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And I just want to point out four things about this verse for you. First of all, God keeps some things to himself. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are some things he just doesn't tell us. There are some things he keeps to himself that we don't need to know. We may think we should know it, or we may think he should tell us, or that he should answer our questions. But there are some things that we just just don't need to know. We don't need to know everything. We don't need to know all the answers. We don't need to have all of our questions answered. And so God doesn't tell us everything. He's God, so he has a right to keep some things to himself, and choose not to answer all of our questions. Number two, God reveals some things to man in his word. So God keeps some things to himself, and God reveals some things to us in his word. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So some things are revealed to us. Number three, the things that God reveals belong to us. What does that mean? That means we have a responsibility for the things that God has revealed to us in His Word. Number four, He has revealed what He has revealed to us so that, here's why, we may live godly lives. The things that He has revealed to us, He's revealed to us so that we may live Godly lives. It says, so that we may do all the words of his law. God has not revealed things to us just to satisfy our curiosity or to answer our questions. He has revealed things to us so that we know how we're supposed to live, so that we know what's expected of us, so that we know how to be men of God and women of God so that we know how to live in a way that brings glory and pleasure to God. That's why He's revealed these things to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, it says that Scripture thoroughly equips us for every good work. Listen to me, please. All that we need to know for life, to live a godly life, to live a righteous life, has been revealed to you in the book. He's given you the owner's manual and he has revealed to you all that you need to know to live a successful life. Not necessarily successful in the world's eyes, but successful in God's eyes. He has thoroughly equipped us. He's given us all that we need so that we know how we should live, so that we know what we should do and what we shouldn't do, so that we can live a life that is pleasing to him, and then it's going to be pleasing to us as well. It's all in his word. It's all in the Bible. Now back in chapter 10 of Revelation, if you want to turn back there, verse 5 says, The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land Raised up, it's his right hand here. He raises up his right hand. So this mighty angel raises his hand to take an oath. And it says in verse 6, he swore by God. And look at the description of God here in verse 6. Who lives forever and ever. That means God is eternal. Who created heaven and the things that are in it. The earth and the things that are in it. That includes you and me. We're created by him and for him. And the sea and the things that are in it. God is the creator of all. So this angel, he he raises his hand and he makes an oath. And this is the oath that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, the seventh trumpet. Remember, we've looked at six trumpets so far. And the sounding of the seventh trumpet, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. God has been delaying his judgment of mankind. As we've seen in the tribulation, what we've studied so far, God didn't pour out his judgment all at once in chapter 6. God delayed his judgment. We had seven sealed judgments that were opened one by one. And then we are in the midst of the seven trumpet judgments. And then there will be seven bold judgments. And this judgment is spread out over seven years so that people have the opportunity and the time to repent of their sins and turn to God for salvation. God delays his judgment. Throughout the tribulation period back in chapter six. In verse 10, we saw the believers who are martyred during the tribulation period ask, How long, O Lord? Holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. They ask, How long, O Lord? Because God delayed his judgment. And they're asking, How much longer are you going to delay? And sometimes we feel that way, right? Sometimes you look at how things are going in the world or things going on in your personal life, and you think, How long? What are you waiting for, Lord? Just, you know, rapture us out of here. Take us to heaven and just get on with things. I'm done. But he delays. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells us why God delays his judgment, why he doesn't just, you know, wipe everybody out at one time. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, His promise that He's going to judge the world. He's not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but His long-suffering toward us. He's long-suffering. He's willing to suffer long with this world because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and salvation.
1: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
2: We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
1: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
2: The reason God is delaying His judgment, the reason He doesn't just, you know, wipe out the world and one hit is because he's patiently waiting. He's patiently waiting for people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and turn to him for forgiveness and salvation. He's waiting for more people to repent. He's waiting for more people to be saved here on the earth. And listen, if you're sitting here today, you've never trusted Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is waiting. He is withholding judgment from the world so you have an opportunity to repent and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's being long-suffering with you. He's being patient with you, waiting for you to turn to Him. But Revelation 10 tells us that there will be a point in the tribulation period when God will no longer delay his judgment. His patience ends. There's got to be an end to it. And he tells us here in verse 7 that when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, the mystery of God will be finished. That'll be it. The seventh trumpet will signal the final stage of God's judgment of mankind and the delay will be over. Now look at verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. It's kind of like chocolate chip cookies, right? You eat a bunch of cookies, they're sweet in your mouth, and oh man, you feel sick afterwards. (laughs) Verse 11, and he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. John is told to go take the little book from the mighty angel, which he does. And then John was told to eat the little book, which he does. And he is told that it will be sweet as honey in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach. So it wasn't enough for John just to see the little book. It wasn't enough for John to know the contents of that little book. John was to eat it. He was to consume it. He was to devour it. And we have a phrase that we use. He likes to devour books. And my, my oldest son, is he devours books. Every day, he's always, he, has, he always has a book with him. He just devours books. John was to devour this little book. He was to eat it and consume it. What the Lord commands John here, he commands John to eat the word before he declares the word. Do you see that? To eat the word before he declares the word. To consume it, to devour it, to allow it to affect him before he goes out and speaks it to the many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. He was to eat the word before he shares the word. God gave Ezekiel a very similar command that I want to show you. If you turn back to Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 8, here the Lord speaking to Ezekiel says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now, when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and, writing on it, and the writing on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and then go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll, and he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you, And so I ate in my mouth like honey in sweetness. And so here Ezekiel is commanded by the Lord to eat the scroll, consume it, and then go share it. Eat the word, then go share it. That's what we're to do. That's what you're to do. That's what I'm to do. Eat the word, devour the word. Allow it to become part of you. Allow it to affect you. Then we share it. In Psalm 1, it talks about the blessed man. The blessed man meditates on his word day and night, right? That word meditate, I've shared this before, but that word meditate, it has the idea of a cow chewing its cud. And you know, We're to meditate on the word, not like Eastern meditation, but we're to, we're to devour the word and eat it like a cow chews its cud. And what a cow does is a cow will chew on its cud and chew on its cud and then a cow will swallow some of that cud down and then bring that cud back up and chew on it some more, and swallow it back down and bring it back up and chew on it some more. And all throughout the day, the cow is chewing on its cud and swallowing it, bringing it back up, chewing on it some more, swallowing it, bringing it back up, chewing on it some more. But that's how we should be with the Word of God, As we meditate on the Word of God, in in the morning you start your day if you're able to, if your schedule allows to get in the Word in the morning and you take it in and you kind of chew on it all day and you kind of keep bringing it to mind throughout the day and thinking on it and praying on it and considering what you've read that day. And you meditate on it. And we're we're to eat the Word before we share the Word. And look at what it says here. The Lord says to John, the word will be sweet in your mouth, but it will be bitter in your stomach. The revelation that John received that we've been studying is both sweet and it's bitter. It's sweet because revelation tells us that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. And he is going to rule over this earth as king of kings. Sweet. That's great. Glorious. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And yet at the same time, revelation is bitter. Because you have all of this destruction. You have all of this devastation. You have all of this judgment. And you have all of this death that the world will experience before Christ comes. We read about the sealed judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments that will come upon the earth and all of the devastation and all of the death. It's a bitter pill to swallow for us. And so with the book of Revelation, there's a sense of it that is, is sweet to read. It's exciting to read because Christ is coming back ultimately and he's going to reign and he's going to make everything right that's wrong with this world. And he's going to create a whole new world. And he's going to dwell on the earth and we're going to dwell with him. And that heart's sweet. And yet there's a bitterness to it, too, because there's going to be so much judgment and so much wrath before we get there. And so it's both. And so when we read the scriptures, we read the book of Revelation, for example, the bitterness part of it should affect us. There's a part of it that should make us sick to our stomach when we read these things in the book of Revelation. There's a part of it that should break our heart. When we read these things, and, you know, much like Jesus, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem for that last time and he's about to die on the cross for the sins of the world to save mankind from his sin. But as he's coming to Jerusalem that last time, he begins to weep over the city and he weeps over the city because he knows the judgment that's going to come upon that city because they've rejected him. And that happens as he's making his triumphal entry into the city. So as people are shouting and cheering and declaring him as king and saying, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's this rejoicing. There's this sweetness to his entry into the city. And at the same time, there's a bitterness to it because he knows they're going to reject him and that the city will be destroyed by the Romans. And so... The Word of God quite often has a sweetness and a bitterness to it. Now the fact that it's bitter, listen, the fact that it's bitter doesn't mean we compromise it. The fact that there's a bitter part to the Word of God, it doesn't mean that we water it down. It doesn't mean that we should avoid the bitter parts of the Word and only talk about the sweet parts. Because that's not healthy. We need to hear both. We need to hear the sweet parts and the bitter parts. And the word of God has both. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. And so it's sweet and it's bitter. The gospel is sweet and it's bitter. The gospel is sweet because a person can have their sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's sweet, man. But it's bitter because many people reject the salvation That is offered through Jesus Christ. So it's both sweet and bitter. And my hope for you all today is that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that you have experienced the sweetness of Jesus, that you've experienced the sweetness of having your sins forgiven, that you know the sweetness of being saved that you know the sweetness of being a new creation in Christ. Where all the old things have passed away, you know the sweetness of being made new in Him.
3: He asked me how I know, and I say, truer than the finest crystal.
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Many questions might arise as you listen to these messages about the end times. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-changing news that they might not hear anywhere else. This is a tremendous opportunity to reach people who are lost and without a Savior. We value your prayers for these important messages that are going out. Pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would greatly multiply because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to CalvaryEC.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on this peculiar book of the Bible. Revelation is one of the many that are curious about but find it hard to understand. We trust that God's giving you some clarity by listening to Ring of Truth.
3: I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft, and well, I know because I know His voice, and it only takes